suicide game just yesterday It's made all that I learned The emptiness of life examined Hello out there and welcome to another episode of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things. This is an attempt by me, Joe Morahan, and my brother JS to provide you with a series of interesting, informative, educational, and we hope enjoyable stories that will help you navigate through those high seas of life. Today we introduce Memento 19, Xerxes 16, uh-oh, Forbidden Fruit 10. We're talking Xerxes and his wife, his queen's insane birthday wishes, of which there were two, and they weren't, all I want for Christmas are my two front teeth. No, these were serious demands that had been made made upon Xerxes. And he kind of lost it. He was in a fugue state, and he traveled back in time to the age of his father, you know, Darius the Great, a moment Later, Xerxes became what what we know Elon Musk most desires to become. A time traveler bound for the future. In Xerxes' case, he had been transported ahead two millennia into the future. He found himself in medieval Europe. Yes, he did. He was, and, and we take up his journey there. A legal right purportedly existed in mid- medieval European times, Eus Prime Noctis, the right of the first night. It gave a king the right, if he so desired to exercise such right, to sleep with any bride in the kingdom on her wedding night prior to her husband's well-deserved right to get a shot at his new bride. And it, this was irrespective of the new bride or her husband's most fervent wishes that she be left alone, spared the king's grotesque, unwanted fondling and attention. Their feelings were something like, keep your mitts off her, mister. It definitely was one of the cooler benefits of being king now. No doubt about that. And, and maybe the king thought more about Eos Prima Noctis and the right, and, and maybe just Xerxes, the king of kings, was pondering his, his current dilemma, desperate for any excuse that he might hang his crown on, maybe to avoid having to deal with his massive destructive dilemma. His thoughts might have meandered toward the concept that there existed a hitherto unknown right that entitled him to, to have sex at any time he wanted with his daughter-in-law, Artente, to which his queen could not object, which might have allowed him to avoid the wrath of a mistress. A man should be allowed his dreams, should he not? Now, Xerxes may, may well have lost his bearings, you know, entered a Zen sort of state where, where he convinced himself there existed or should have an ex- existed an expanded notion of that most wondrous of all kingly rights, that Eus Prima Noctis right available only to Persian kings, and by way of interpretation, it would permit him sexual aggress, access Congress with any woman, anywhere, at any time in his kingdom, if he felt in the mood to ravish a woman, and about which his queen, a mistress, could not and had no right 
to object. Oh, that would be great. But that was a dream. That's not the way things were at the present time. Not in Susa, though it did sound like paradise to Xerxes. You know, a king such as Xerxes would like, and he would value, and quite honestly, cherish for very understandable manly reasons that such a rule be on the books. Such a right should exist. What king wouldn't want this? Though my, my, my sense is that Xerxes was astute enough um, to realize, to understand and appreciate that this sort of gross access to other men's wives in his kingdom likely would generate quite a few hard feelings, produce a great deal of animosity in some very hard men in an empire already excessively prone to high levels of unmitigated violence. You know, hot-headed Persian men with an already well-established reputation and penchant for both violence and revenge, learning of this extension of the king's privileges to, to bone their women, would be prone themselves to protest revolt and assuredly would create new existential risks for any king who might attempt to exercise such claimed um, newfound connubial rights. I mean, the guys would not take this new rule laying down. Xerxes had better get real about this. The better, safer plan might be simply to, to have added more women to the king's harem under the sensible theory there exist only so many women, a man, even a robust man might enjoy during his reign. Well, it, I mean, it's also true that there were no notorious swordsmen such as Magic Johnson, Will Chamberlain, Warren Beatty, Mick Jagger, and, and miscellaneous other Lotharios who might have tested this, you know, the statistical hypothetical limits of what, uh, you know, what constitutes the upper boundaries of the theoretical maximum number of women that one man might enjoy in the course of a lifetime. Yes, those men exist. Still, for enhanced security purposes, adding to the harem simply was the better option if adding variety to the king's already voracious appetite for added sexual spice and taste and, and his sweet tooth for the delectable forbidden fruit juices he so enjoyed but never could nor would avoid, if that was the objective. The daughter-in-law, this daughter-in-law thing, no doubt, no doubt, was responsible for having so outraged Queen Amestris. There was simply no way around that. Maybe he had gone too far. But Artente had just been so, so fine, he dreamed on. I mean, that's just... That's, I mean, I didn't read that in Herodotus. I, that's just my sense of how Xerxes conjured the issues at that perilous moment in time. Obviously, I can't say for sure, but extending Eos Primenactus to any woman at any time, anywhere in the kingdom, was likely to bring out the knives. This was not a good idea. And, and Xerxes remained in his fugue state, unwilling and unable to deal with the more temporal pressing matters on this planet involving his wife, 
his sister-in-law, his daughter-in-law, his brother, and his own daughter. Shit. Things were messy, and they were about to get a lot worse. Yeah, they were. We think, we th- we, we think Xerxes has had a panic attack. And in his fugue state, simply he was avoiding dealing with the demands of a most cruel, crazy, insane wife. That never works. History says uh, Alexander the Great never went to bed a single night without a copy of the Iliad and a dagger securely positioned beneath his pillow. The Iliad was probably the result of having had Aristotle as as his private tutor. The dagger thing, because Alexander really did lead his army from the front. He may well have been insane, a homicidal maniac, but he was a knife fighter and a leader. Mithridates, take him for example. Now that guy, he was said to uh, you know, attempt to sleep only after uh, bodyguards were in place and a dog, a goat, and a horse were set outside his tent to bark, bleat, and whinny at the approach of anything that moved anywhere near where it was that he chose to close his eyes, even for a second. In modern times, Yasser Arafat probably learned from history. The crafty terrorist freedom fighter that he was, a master at the art of corruption too, I'll add, he strode about and resided in this very part of the Middle Eastern world. And he was famous he, because he was... He too was worried about nightfall. So, so many things go wrong in the dark of night. Arafat's solution, by the way, was to not let anybody know. No one was going to know beforehand where he intended to sleep on any given night. And then he never spent two consecutive nights in any one place. The exception being when he chose to spend nights at glorious five-star hotels in civilized Europe, like in London or France. That, 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 that was a different story. He felt safe there. But since Xerxes, too, wanted to obtain a good night's sleep and to wake up the next morning alive in this world, not the next one, debating the queen, especially this queen, Amestris, his kingly right to sleep with their daughter-in-law just didn't appear to be a viable option at this particular moment in time. No, it did not. Having options available is theoretically a very good thing to have. But not all options are good, even on paper. So all this discussion about how a king's right to possess any woman you know, extended might appear extreme when, when viewed from a Western Judeo-Christian perspective. And no doubt about it when it's viewed by you know, Americans of modern extraction. But... But given that this was the Middle East, just how relations between men and women worked. I mean, how, how can we possibly know how these people thought about these things way back in 480 BC? Their customs being what they were. It is important we never forget Xerxes also was a devout adherent of Zoroastrianism, which of course meant since angels were always watching... A woman must never be caught without wearing a covering on her head because she is under authority. Angels were watching. Hmm. Under authority. I mean, who could doubt this? Of course angels were watching. Who doubts they're not always watching? 
I mean, let's let's understand, you know, that this is completely rational behavior. I mean, who doesn't think this? Musket, moose, and squirrel. Forced marriages, um, coerced genital mutilation, women in Taliban areas still prohibited from leaving home without a familial male escort. Hell, we don't even know how these people think what they think today, no less than how they might have thought about things 2,500 years ago. You laugh at ancient Persian customs, maybe, at, you know, which have angels watching over their women, you know, which mandates wearing headgear. Well, don't forget that right here in the good old U.S. of A., not that long ago, in relative terms, we had Joseph Smith and the angel Moroni jiving together. Yes, we did. And Angel Moroni, he just happened to drop in to see what condition Mr. Smith was in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Visited Mr. Smith in person no less than 22 different times on a hill, <laughs> a hill in Palmyra, New York. Yeah, baby, I'm sure he did, for God's sake. Of course he did. So stop making fun of Persian customs. Don't live in a glass house. I mean, there's, I, this is one thing that Xerxes could never claim. And, and he didn't. While the king had, no doubt, unearthly powers. Angels. No angels. Not even Moroni. No, they weren't dropping by to shoot the ship with Xerxes. No, they were not. And Xerxes never claimed they did. But from what I have read about them... Um, uh, the proclivities of Joseph Smith, had he been around in 480 BC, it's my thought that Xerxes might have had him beheaded because he would have loved Joseph Smith hanging around the harem of Xerxes, and he wouldn't be having it. Those hundred, you know, those thousand and one Arabian nights featured featuring Ali with his large member, all that kind of stuff, you know. Reports of mirages in the deserts of the Middle East, naturally occurring um, optical phenomena, were commonplace in Susa, Persepolis, and elsewhere in those regions. But angels appearing out of the blue 22 times in Palmyra, New York, to Joseph Smith and only him, now that was special. He was blessed. Anyway. Returning to O, she hadn't done anything wrong. Xerxes knew that. No matter the existence of, extent, or legality of Eus Primus Noctis or not, the fact remained he shouldn't have been having sex with his son Darius's wife, Artente. That clearly was what had precipitated this extended family crisis and had set Queen Amestris off. Again, as Hitler to Rob Ribbentrop, now what? Now what? Now what was right? Oh, we will continue on and find out what evils await poor Xerxes. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. I am in a far-off place Half of a world away And there's so much to do And there's so much to see 
Mother Nature's had her way. There are mountains and valleys and beautiful hills, each vista something new. And though my imagination's been captured, my thoughts they return to you. So can you help relieve me of this burden on my back? There's something wrong deep inside of me, or something I must like. For I've got this worry of believing me, and I must admit that I'm scared. So can you try to convince?